the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. 62 CP, Bayonet Point, WTBN, Pinellas Park. Portions of this hour have been pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. Now think about what these men are offering their people. A Jesus who is not God and humans who are little gods. I mean, that's what they're offering. And there is no salvation in that message. There is none. Because if Jesus is not the eternal God, then he could not have paid the eternal price for our sins. He has to be God to to pay an eternal price. He has to be man to die. This is Verse by Verse with Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. We are moving along in our study of the dangers of false teachers from 2 Peter chapter 2. All through history, Satan has used his fifth column in the church to attack the doctrine of the full deity of Christ. In a 1977 book by leaders of a recognized church in England, there was an attack on Jesus saying that his divinity was a myth, a helpful story for earlier generations. But in fact, one of the names of Jesus is Emmanuel, which means God with us. Colossians 2.9 says, In him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. You can't be more plain than that. And the Bible has countless references to Jesus being God as well as man. He has to be both, as Pastor Steve said, in order to be a sufficient sacrifice for all our sins as well as the correct sacrifice. The editors of the myth of God incarnate claimed that the Bible was not infallible, and they had to throw out a tremendous amount of scripture to support their claim. But that's what false teachers do, what they have to do to make their empty, powerless claims. They pick and choose which verses to believe, as if they know all the mysteries of the universe better than God himself. Here now is Pastor Steve with today's lesson about messages that cannot save or satisfy. I invite you to open your Bibles to 2 Peter chapter 2. We've been studying this chapter for some time. It is uh, filled with so many important truths that we don't really want to rush through this. But I want to read to you, beginning at verse 17, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 17. Peter says, these are springs without water, and mists driven by a storm for whom the black darkness has been reserved. For speaking out arrogant words of vanity, they entice by fleshly desires, by sensuality, those who barely escape from those, from the ones who live in error, promising them freedom while they themselves are slaves of corruption. For by what a man is overcome, by this he is enslaved. For if after they have escaped the defilements of the world by the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and are overcome. The last state has become worse for them than the first, for it would be better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn away from the holy commandments handed on to them. 
It has happened to them according to the true proverb, a dog returns to its own vomit and a pig after washing returns to wallowing in the mire. Now, let's begin this morning by thinking not so much at Second Peter, but by way of introduction, thinking of that great statement Paul gave to Timothy in Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. He said this, great statement about the inspiration of the Bible. He said, all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. All scripture from cover to cover is God breathed out. It comes from God. Now, in light of the fact that every word of scripture is inspired by God and is profitable, Paul went on to tell Timothy that he had one thing primarily that he was to do, and that was to preach the word. He said in chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. Paul told Timothy, in light of the fact that all scripture is inspired, Timothy, here's what you're to do. I charge you to preach this word. And and then he said, in season and out of season. What does that mean? It, It means all the time. There's no season to stop. There's a season, there's an out of season. You're to preach all the time. Never stop preaching the word. But why is it so important that Timothy... And every Bible teacher and pastor is to be so diligent in preaching God's word, so diligent that it's to be their constant passion all the time because of verses 3 and 4. For the time will come when they, and I take it that Paul means they, uh, by they he means those in churches, whether believers or unbelievers, those who profess faith in Christ. For the time will come when they, in the church, I'm adding, will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths and fables. Paul wanted Timothy to understand that the time to preach sound doctrine was now because there was coming a day when when the people in the church will not tolerate it. At least some in the church will not tolerate it. His time was limited. It was for this brief period of time. There's coming a time, and it really began with even in Timothy's day, where those in the church would not put up with sound doctrine. Instead of sound doctrine taught by competent Bible teachers who confront them with the truths of God's word, which would benefit them spiritually, Paul told Timothy that some in the church will seek out other teachers, teachers who will tell them what they want to hear. That's what he means by tickle their ears, make them feel good, and will turn them away from biblical truth, which should profit them to error, which will not profit them at all. Now, I I say this to you because the type of teachers that Paul was talking about is precisely the kind of teachers that Peter tells us about in 2 Peter chapter 2. So you need to look there now. We've been studying 2 Peter chapter 2 for several weeks now, and you can entitle this chapter, The Truth About False Teachers, because that's exactly what it is. In this chapter, Peter reveals what false teachers are really like, their behavior as well as their motives, as well as what what really lies in their hearts and their intents, that underneath their religious appearance, they are evil in their behavior, and they are in error in their motives for, for teaching false 
doctrine. And beginning with verse 10, Peter gives us five truths about the character of false teachers. Now, we've looked at these, so I'm not going to uh, go into it. I'll just mention them by, by name. These are what we have already studied. Beginning at verse 10, he says they are immoral, number one. Number two, they despise authority. Number three, they are extremely arrogant. Number four, they are pleasure seekers. Number five, they are greedy. They're in it for the money. Now, this morning, as we continue our study of this chapter, we're going to continue by looking at one more truth about false teachers. We will not finish the chapter this morning, but I wanted to read it to you because it all connects together. But one more truth. So if you're taking notes, I would encourage you to write this down. False teachers offer an unsatisfying message, an unsatisfying message. We begin with verse 17. Peter says these are, meaning these false teachers, are springs without water and mists or, or, or clouds driven by a storm for whom the black darkness has been reserved. After telling us that false teachers are just like Balaam, that's, that's what verses 15 and 16 tell us about. They're just like Balaam, that false prophet of the Old Testament who Balak tried to hire to curse Israel. False teachers are just like Balaam in the sense that that false teachers like Balaam use their speaking abilities and their limited knowledge of God to try to make as much money as possible. They're in for the money. They're greedy. Now, having said that, Peter continues in exposing the error of false teachers by using two metaphors to describe what they're like. He says, first of all, he compares them to waterless springs, springs without water. Secondly, they're compared to mist or, or clouds driven by a storm. Now, before we delve into what Peter meant by these two metaphors, I, I want you to understand something important because he's shifting his emphasis at this point. Up to this point in chapter two, Peter's emphasis has been to reveal the character and the conduct of false teachers. But beginning with verse 17, he touches upon not so much their character, but their teaching. He really hasn't told us much about their teaching, but in verse 17, he does. Their teaching as well as their impact, the impact that their teaching had on those who listened to them. And and I say this because notice verse 18. He says, for speaking out arrogant words of vanity. Now he's getting into their message. Now he's getting into what they say, their, their speech, their words. And in verse 19, he says, promising them freedom. So, the message has to do with with some type of, of statement about freedom and words that are inflated and, and vain. And so he is dealing with their teaching. And verse 17, what he says in verse 17 about these false teachers being like springs without water and mist driven by a storm, we know that this description has something to do with the message that they spoke. So I want you to understand that. It's not so much character now. Of course, it's tied in with their message because a message comes out of character, but it's their teaching and the impact. So first of all, in what way are false teachers like springs without water? Well, in dry climates like the Middle East, what we would call the Middle East, a weary and a thirsty traveler looked for a spring for for refreshment. It's very important to him. He couldn't just go to a grocery store and get water. As he traveled... He needed water for strength, for vitality, something to not only quench his thirst, but sometimes even to save his life. Without water, you eventually die. 
So it was very important. But imagine the incredible disappointments of being a weary traveler, knowing that water sustains you. Basically, in the Middle East, water is life. Water is life. But imagine a weary traveler's incredible disappointment when, when he comes upon a spring thinking that there's water for him and it's dry. It's dry. Peter says that false teachers are just like that. They're just like that. They're waterless springs in the sense that they look promising. They give the appearance of being able to offer refreshment for the soul by, by their messages. But their message really offers no satisfaction. It's hollow. It can't satisfy the soul. They promise spiritual vitality, but they can't deliver it. Why? Because they have no life-giving message to offer anybody. You see, Jesus also used the imagery of water. In fact, a couple of times, John chapter 4 and John chapter 7. In John chapter 4, he was speaking, remember, to the Samaritan woman, and the way he got into a conversation with her was to ask her for a drink of water. And they go back and forth about this and about being Jewish and about being a Samaritan and and, and all of this. And finally, in verses 13 and 14, he gets down to the water part. Jesus answered and said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. That's true. You take a drink today, that's not going to sustain you for life. You're thirsty tomorrow. In fact, you're thirsty in a little while. That's the way physical water is. But notice what he said in verse 14, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him, meaning salvation, that's what he's talking about. Water is like salvation. The water that I will give him will never thirst, but the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. Jesus was talking about salvation. The, the life-giving message of the gospel. He basically said the same thing in John chapter 7. Out of your innermost being, he said, will flow rivers of living water. And this he spoke, John said, he was referring to the Holy Spirit who was to come. And what Jesus Christ offers us in the gospel is a salvation that brings us into a right relationship with God. And it not only secures our eternal destiny, but it also satisfies our deepest and, and most inner Longing to know God it was Augustine who said these profound words. He said, thou hast made us for thyself and our hearts are restless until they rest in thee. That's the way a person is before they come to Christ. Very restless and they try to find all kinds of, of ways to have peace and, and calmness of heart, but they can't find it. Nothing satisfies that. Money doesn't satisfy that. Accumulating things doesn't satisfy the soul. Even, even a good family doesn't do that. Or a good job. It's only the message of salvation in Christ that can truly satisfy this inner longing and thirst. That we have a thirst for reality, for spiritual reality. But false teachers don't offer the gospel of Christ. They don't do it. Therefore, what they do offer fails to satisfy people. In fact, in the end, their followers end up not only being disappointed, but disillusioned, disillusioned, in despair. Now, I want us to think about that for a moment and, and apply this. What is the message of false teachers today? For example, what is the message of false teachers who are liberal theologians? What do they really have to offer? What is their message? Let me just give it to you in a nutshell. They offer a Bible with errors. A Bible, they say, that has errors. They can't be trusted. They offer a Christ who they say is not God. 
They offer a Christ who did not pay for your sins. They offer a Christ who did not rise from the dead. And they offer a God who tells us that the best we can do in life is fight social injustice. That's it. It's called the social gospel. That's it. That's the message, basically, of liberal theologians. Social gospel. A Jesus that that can't save you. A Jesus that has nothing to do with eternity. This is it. Make society a better place to live. Now, folks, that doesn't satisfy at all. That's it. That doesn't satisfy anyone's soul. That's why Peter says it's an empty spring, an empty spring. Now, what about the message of some of the charismatic televangelists who get people excited with their message? I mean, people are enthused about it. I told you a few weeks ago, Michelle and I saw for a few moments, I'm telling you, people were literally jumping up and down at this guy's message, jumping up and down, excited, exclaiming words that he told them to to say. What message are they really giving to their people about Christ and salvation? Now, we talk, we've talked about the prosperity gospel. We've talked about the somewhat about the health gospel. But what what are they really saying to their people in terms of, of Jesus and salvation? Don't assume that they are proclaiming the same Jesus that uh, that the Bible speaks of. Years ago, very helpful book was written called The Agony of Deceit, subtitled What Some TV Preachers Are Really Teaching. It was edited by Michael Horton and uh, uh, had a number of really good contributors in this book. And, and what this book does, it reveals that what many charismatic televangelists are saying about Jesus is absolutely heretical. Absolutely heretical. It's not that they're just into the health and wealth gospels, that they are, they are off on the person of Christ. For example, concerning the incarnation of Jesus Christ, the fact that, that God became a man. Kenneth Copeland, who is one of the leaders of the Word of Faith movement, very well known, here's what he said. This man, Jesus, was a carbon copy of the one who walked through the Garden of Eden. Now, what he's saying basically, in fact, not basically, what he is saying is that Jesus was no different from Adam. No different from Adam. Copeland also made this remark about Jesus, and you'll see as I as I quote to you what he what he has said that that's exactly what he means. He made this remark about Jesus, which reveals that he really doesn't understand who Jesus is. He said, "He, meaning Jesus, referred to God as his Father, which enraged the Pharisees, but he never made the assertion that he was the Most High God. In fact, he told his disciples that the Father, God, was greater and mightier than he. Why didn't Jesus openly proclaim himself as God during his 33 years on earth? For one single reason, he hadn't come to earth as God, he came as man. In other, in other statements, Copeland has made it clear that what he means by these words is this. What he really believes about Jesus is this, that Jesus in the incarnation emptied himself of being God. That somehow... On earth, God ceased to be God. Now, folks, that's heresy. That's absolute heresy. That's a non-divine Jesus. That's a non-divine Jesus. That at some point, he says, Jesus stopped being God. He became a man. That's no different than the heresy that uh, that the Apostle John faced in the first century. Those who deny that, that Christ has come in the flesh. God has come in the flesh. That's that's really it. And many televangelists in, in being off on the deity of Christ, it's not just Kenneth Copeland, they tend to exalt themselves as little gods. 
That's their message, little gods. Earl Polk, who I uh, don't know if he's on in our area, but he's a charismatic televangelist, said this, Adam and Eve were placed in the garden as the seed and expression of God. Just as dogs have puppies and cats have kittens, so God has little gods. Listen, that, this is no different, by the way, than Mormonism. It's no different than Mormonism, which believes in a, a plurality of gods that you can become a god. But he says, we have trouble comprehending this truth. It's right we have trouble comprehending it. It's not in the Bible. We ought to have trouble comprehending it. But here's what he adds. He says, until we comprehend that we are little gods and we begin to act like little gods, we cannot manifest the kingdom of God, end of quote. Now think about what these men are offering their people, a Jesus who is not God and humans who are little gods. I mean, that's what they're offering. And there is no salvation in that message. There is none. Because if Jesus is not the eternal God, then he could not have paid the eternal price for our sins. He has to be God to to pay an eternal price. He has to be man to die. That's why he is the God-man. And if you and I are little gods, then we we are not depraved sinners who need salvation. If you're a little God, you don't need salvation. You got it. Why would a little God need salvation? Whatever that means, little God. I want to quote to you from um, a charismatic pastor named Casey Treat. may not have heard of him, probably haven't, but Casey Treat is the pastor of the Christian Faith Center in Seattle. In this book by Michael Horton, they quote from him a tape series entitled Believing in Yourself. Now, that ought to tell you something right there. But I'm just going to read to you what was on one of these tapes. Here's what Casey Treat had to say. The father... The Son and the Holy Ghost had a conference and they said, let us make man as exact, uh, an exact duplicate of us. Oh, I don't know about you, but that does turn my crank. An exact duplicate of God. Say it out loud. No, don't you. He's telling his congregation, don't you do that. He says, say it out loud. I'm an exact duplicate of God. They write the audience, repeats it a bit tentatively and uncertainly. Come on, say it. He leads them in unison. I'm an exact duplicate of God. Say it again. I'm an exact duplicate of God. The congregation is getting into it louder and bolder with more enthusiasm each time. Say it like you mean it. He's yelling now. I'm an exact duplicate of God. Yell it out loud. Shout it. They follow as he leads. I'm an exact duplicate of God. I'm an exact duplicate of God. Repeatedly going on and on. He says, when God looks in the mirror, he sees me. When I look in the mirror, I see God. Oh, hallelujah. You know, sometimes people say to me when they're mad at me and want to put me down, you just think you're a little God. Thank you. Hallelujah. You got that right. Who do you think you are, Jesus? He answers, yep. Are you listening to me? Are you kids running around here acting like gods? Why not? God told me to. Since I'm an exact duplicate of God, I'm going to act like God. End of quote. That's just a quote from his tape. Nothing taken out of context. That's what he believes. Now, this is the message that gets people excited. I mean, these people were pretty pumped up over this. It comes with a lot of enthusiasm. It comes with a lot of emotion. I'm sure Casey Treat uh, was a man who was really into what he had to say. But in the end, that stuff doesn't satisfy the soul. Never. It doesn't deal, you see, with the real issues of, of life, and that is our sin and how to be forgiven and, and repentance and getting in a right relationship with God and dealing with our guilt. It just doesn't touch on that stuff. It's not about that. That's why false teachers are waterless springs. They offer nothing 
They may get you pumped. They may get you excited. But it's not anything that's satisfying. You may leave the auditorium being high as a kite emotionally, but you're coming down, and when you crash, you'll realize how empty that message is. Martin Luther has been credited with writing this little poem. Feelings come and feelings go, and feelings are deceiving. My warrant is the word of God, not else is worth believing. You know, there's nothing wrong with feelings. In fact, when we think of what Christ has done for us, that should produce some strong emotions. But always remember, the emotion is to be a result of the doctrine, not the source of the doctrine. False teachers love to turn that around and use our feelings to lead us away from the truth. You've been listening to Verse by Verse. Our teacher, Pastor Steve Kreloff, is helping us through a rather grim passage of Scripture, 2 Peter chapter 2. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. It's been a while since I've mentioned it, so let me remind you that we have audio CDs available of Pastor Steve's messages. You can order one by calling Lakeside at 727-239-0306. If it's after hours, just leave your name and a daytime phone number. Or to download this or any other broadcast, visit the archives page at our website, versebyverseradio.org. Back in my factory electrician days, one of my co-workers had a saying he used sometimes after hearing someone try to sound impressive. He said, and I translate from the actual factory vocabulary, (laughs) he said, if you can't dazzle them with brilliance, baffle them with baloney. Well, that's exactly what false teachers like to do. I'm your announcer, Jerry Peterson. Join us for... Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.